0: Fear of what might go wrong in the future, fear of my lack of resources, knowing that um, my own strength isn't enough, and how Jesus can free me from those moments. I thought of all the doors i lock myself behind. What what does it look like to live a life where each day we're seeking this peace that Jesus can provide, a peace that the world can't offer? A peace which can transform the lives of those on death row or, or prison cells and torture people. Over so the next 25 minutes or so, I want to share a little bit of my journey and in the last 13 years working in prisons. My journey as an activist, someone who has a clear sense of calling, who's ready to serve, who believes that God will use me. But it's a journey that's been filled with failures and frustration. Someone who never really considered... What peace, what peace might be and why it was relevant to me, and some of the practices which I've been working to develop with my family and the community of sinners and saints that I work with in prisons to sustain us in America in trying to discern and live out our calling. The African Prisoners Project is a 10-year-old charity. We started out trying to improve prison welfare conditions. With time, we saw that prisons in Uganda and Kenya were filled with people who were poor and didn't have access to lawyers. Now we're wondering what does it look like to train prisoners and prison staff to work as lawyers through studying law with the University of London my correspondents. We're establishing the world's first prison-based legal college and law firm. Those we've trained in law have gotten about 3,000 people released from prison over the last three or four years. They've got death sentences overturned. They've changed national laws. I'm doing work which feels like a great privilege. I'm working with this remarkable group of people from very different backgrounds. Some of us have killed, some of us have raped, some of us have tortured, others have stolen, others are in prison or sentenced to death wrongly. But we've got this shared heart for dignity and hope and justice for the most vulnerable in our communities. I think that this heart is one of the things that attracted me, and probably many of you, to this church. When I hear Steve and Viv talking about a church which uh, doesn't only serve members of the church community, but it serves our wider community in Ballam and beyond. A church that sends out disciples. A church which welcomes those who feel lost elsewhere. A church which tries to love without strings. I think this is the kind of place that I want to be. I think that many of us here want to spend a life where we're reaching out to those in the midst of crisis. Whether through being involved in the charity's Compassion Ministries, whether our daily jobs, whether um, volunteer commitments we have. Often we're saying, we want to encounter those that the was rejected. We want to encounter those that others don't love. We want to serve. I think as a church, in the organization I lead, in prisons in Africa, I've seen that when we go out to the margins of society, we encounter pain. We encounter others' brokenness. We're reminded of our own brokenness. I think for all Christians, it's crucial to look to Jesus on a daily basis and to ask, for his sustenance. But I think as a community of people that's saying, use us, God. We want to serve. We want to change others' lives. It's really important to consider how how we encounter God in a fresh way on a daily basis. How he can sustain us physically and mentally so we don't become broken by our calling. So we don't become joyless and frustrated. So we don't go through the motions of doing our work but do it without love. This has been a a difficult road for me to follow, um, a journey that's not been been straightforward. My sense, as I started in my late teens and my early 20s, spending more and more time in prisons around Africa and around the world, was that God was gonna use me to do something. I went into prisons and I saw things which transformed me. I saw babies being born in prison and growing up there as prisoners with their mums surrounded by guards and bars and guns. I met women in South Sudan, sentenced to death for crimes committed by their husbands because the police couldn't catch them. I saw people who'd been tortured by the police in the most horrific ways. My heart was broken again and again and again. But in the midst of this, I received these signs and these words that maybe God would use me to start a group of people who try and bring light and hope, and love in dark places. That maybe I could act, in a way, as a bridge between those in prison and those on the outside, we could each serve and support each other. It was exciting, I think, that for me, as I tried to discern my calling, I thought, well, if if I have a sense of what God's plan is for my life, all will be well. My job is just to, and follow along, I'll, I'll push, I'll work hard, or he'll have my They're on my back. It will be fine. I guess that that can be the case for others of us as well. That we become aware of our talents or our skills or the things that would bring us great joy. And we step out in them excited and energized. But I think that with time we can get broken down. We can become dejected. I've seen so many people suffer or die or in prisons where I've seen unbelievable injustice, people um, crying because they've lost their freedom maybe there's a risk of them losing lives, they say I'm innocent, I've done nothing wrong I feel like I've seen so much that um, I can't go back to the life as a a barrister in London that I trained for despite the fact that my dad says to me on a very regular basis, why can't you be a normal son, you need to (laughs) knock this madness on the head and get a career but I can't I, I, I feel that um, there's a purpose that God's calling me for, and I think that we'll all have that, because God has given each one of us here our own gifts and talents. He has a plan for each of our lives, and some of us uh, might be clearer about it than others. But I did not know, what does it look like to, to, have, to have that daily relationship with God where I'm drawing Him during those times when I'm, uh, I'm out of my depth? I might have seen a prisoner being beaten and I'd go and have um, an alcoholic drink, although it was lunchtime. I might feel overwhelmed by the responsibilities of managing a team of people and become uh, frustrated and resentful with my staff. Overwhelmed with the challenges of trying to raise funds for my organization. After a day of fundraising, spend the night clubbing and going into prison in the morning smelling of alcohol and cigarettes. In my uh, early years, as I was um, doing work, establishing libraries and clinics in prisons in Uganda and Kenya, I, I put myself into situations, um, I think often as a result of the pressure I was under, where I found myself having multiple HIV tests and waiting anxiously for those results. I reached a point where I thought, actually, I'm trying to live out my calling. I'm, I'm trying to follow God, but it's just not working. It wasn't clear how the church could equip me. I started life in quite a quiet Anglican church. Every week we could predict what was going to happen at what particular time. Um, It was straightforward. Quite a few people seemed to doze through the service. I got baptised when I was 16 in a mostly West Indian Pentecostal church. It was vibrant. There was a strong sense of community. We knew uh, what church looked like on Sunday. But it wasn't clear how, what church looked like on a daily basis, how this community I was part of could sustain me in this work in prisons, and how we were sustaining each other um, in our work and um, in our daily lives. Uh, I grew up amongst people, who I guess, were somewhat suspicious of Catholicism, wondering about um, all the attention that Mary got. Asking, me, are Catholics real Christians? But it was with an open mind that... Uh, Some years ago, someone said, why don't you go and see this nun I know? Sister Joyce offers a listening ear to people who are struggling in their work, or just who need someone who's um, outside of their environment to download and debrief on. So I went to see her at a time when I was really struggling to to process some of the things that I'd seen in the prisons I work in. Speaking with her opened um, opened a new world to me as I learned about the Franciscans and the Benedictines and the Jesuits and these other religious orders, mostly from the Catholic Church, which had been around for hundreds or thousands of years. Communities of Christians who got together and said, we want to spend our life serving. We want to serve God and each other. I started to realize that they developed practices which could enable them to do really difficult work in the darkest places and not become bitter or jaded, or to turn away from God and each other. It was a revelation. I started spending time at Worth Abbey, a Benedictine monastery near Gatwick Airport, where I started to understand something of the pattern of life of monks who teach in a school attached to their monastery, but also and throughout their day make time for prayer and studying the Bible and seeking God. I started to think, wow, this thing, peace, that people talk about, which never seemed very relevant for me as a young, strong, bright, able activist, would be quite special. Actually, when the the noise inside me is quieter, when I can listen more deeply to those around me and to God, I've got more to offer. Mm. How do I stop in my own life to try and seek this peace that comes from God and nowhere else. In the midst of the demands of life in London and Uganda and Kenya, in the midst of the demands of email and family life and trying to make money and trying to process situations which I couldn't imagine. I want to spend a bit of time reflecting with you on some of those practices which I've been trying to to develop. I hope that I'll be able to convey some of the, the joy and peace and excitement as I was preparing for this talk, Anna said, this stuff is pretty dull. I don't think so. I think, I think it was the way that I, that I was um, preparing it. I don't want this to feel like a lecture. I, I don't want to, this to feel like I'm sharing something with you from history. Rather, I want to share with you practices which should brought me new life. Practices through which I encountered Jesus in a fresh way. Practices which leave me energized and hungry to go out and serve. And to, to serve um, as someone who, who feels that there's no alternative. The name Alexander means defender of men. Before Hannah and Frederick and I came to this church, we were looking at other churches. We went to one church in um, Collier's Wood, and a woman we never met before turned around and she said to me, you're going to set the captives free rivers of justice will flow from you. I'm ready to serve, and I think I've got a mandate to do it, but often I, I'm the one who's getting my own way and God's way. there, there are um, so many branches to um, monastic tradition. I'm going to touch on a few I've I've got a set of books, um, which Hannah's put at the back of the room, which uh, might be of interest to some of you as the weekend goes on, um, to dive deeper. I've been inspired by Shane Claiborne. he's an American uh, Christian activist, he started the Simple Way community, a community of people from all different shapes and sizes said we want to bring light and life um, to the people around us, we want to sustain each other and serve. Together, reading his example challenged me that actually there are others who are living the kind of life I wanted to lead before I knew Steve and David and started getting to um, know you guys. The themes of new monasticism include things like leading thoughtful, prayerful lives, living in community, sharing with each other and being vulnerable, offering hospitality and practical engagement with the poor. Some of the monastic practices which have transformed my life life includes Lectio Divina. This is something that's been used by Benedictines for about 1500 years. It means spiritual reading. We know it's good to read the Bible. We hear it in church. We know that as Christians the Bible can offer us something. Uh, I studied um, the Bible at school. I I did um, religious education for a level. But I think that approaching the Bible as a historic document, or as a theological resource, versus comparing it to something that will speak to us now, in a fresh way, and that God can speak to us this moment, just where we are, regardless of whether we're drunk, or illiterate, or a Muslim, or atheist, or lost, or full of joy, or full of shame, wasn't something I'd considered before. The Benedictines used Lexio Divina as a means of hearing from God. They say, often in our prayers, we're talking to God a lot, but we don't give him a chance to respond. I think it can especially be so in the midst of our busy lives in London. Next, it was a way of choosing a piece of scripture and reading it slowly, prayerfully, whether alone or in a group, like a love letter from God. Saying, so go, oh, God, I want you to speak to me through this in a fresh way. I'm ready to listen. I know that you have something to say to my circumstances today. It's incredibly simple. was a way of reading a passage several times and asking, what, what's resonating with me through this passage? What word or phrase speaks to me where I am now? Reading it again and saying, God, what do you want to say to me through this passage today? Find it, read it and saying, well, how do I respond in the coming minutes or hours or days or weeks. How do I apply what I've learned from this passage? It means that even a piece of scripture which didn't look very relevant um, or which you'd quickly skim over can speak to us, it speaks to me in unexpected and exciting ways. And we can be shocked by the Bible again and again, doing next year with the same passage uh, months apart, I find new richness in it. It's remarkable. and if anyone would like to give it a go, I, I know we've got some free time before breakfast, and tomorrow morning, Paul House said he's up for it. And I think at eight we'll meet here or in the bar, and to spend some time doing um, Lexio and diving into God's Word in this way together. Another thing that's been powerful for me, as someone who was baptized in a Pentecostal church and who has wonderful joy of being part of this church, which is very um, informal, and and free for the spirit to move, is wondering what, where do I find a bit more structure and thinking about the role that um, liturgy or prayer books uh, might play. Shane Claiborne, of the simple way, developed a book of common prayer with morning and midday and evening prayers. I realize that books like this can be a way of us inheriting wisdom and experience and knowledge from our many foremothers and forefathers a way of us inheriting wisdom from those who've gone before. For someone whose days is busy, having the discipline to say morning prayer by myself or with uh, my staff or with prisoners and prison staff before starting our day or stopping at lunchtime or at the end of the day, and spend a few minutes looking at these scriptures and sharing these words and prayers, can unite us, unite us with each other within our community, unite us with those who've gone before. I mean, even when we're feeling tired, or hungover, or burnt out, or in the midst of a uh, mental health crisis, we have a way of seeking God. We have a structure which uh, makes it easier for God to speak to us. The third practice, and one that we're going to um, experience together shortly, is the practice of examining. I know that um, Steve's been experimenting with it, my family and I have as well, developed by St. Ignatius, the founder of the Jesuits. It's pretty simple. He said that God's speaking to us every moment of every day. He speaks to us through our neighbors. He speaks to us through um, our feelings. He speaks to us through the environment around us. But often we don't choose to listen. God's blessing us continuously. But often we don't choose to see those small and big blessings. He challenges us to make time twice a day to stop and ask God where have you been in these hours that have gone by stopping twice a day just to quiet ourselves to center ourselves to reflect on the interactions we've had how the coffee was in the breakfast whether the bacon was tasty whether we slept well or not and say God where were you in this what are you saying through this What are you saying to me through these experiences and through these feelings? How can I appreciate you more? How can I recognize these feelings and channel them to serve you? As I prepare for the day to come, how can you sustain me to live the kind of life I want to be? For me, it's all about being people who are grateful. I think that as someone who's good at relentlessly pushing on, who wants to live a life where I'm stretched and where I'm trying to bring change to the lives of others, it's really easy to think about what's next rather than what's gone by. It's really easy not to make time to stop and say, that was remarkable. I was praying for this six months ago and it happened. Actually, it's easy for me not to recognize it because I'm thinking about the next thing, the next thing I want. I've learned a lot from spending time with people in prison, people on death row. I've been involved in hospices since I was 16. I think being with prisoners and people who are dying has challenged me to live in the present because it's all we've got. I think that when we we say, I want to be a man or a woman that's grateful, that appreciates the people and things in my life, it adds richness and allows us to fully own this time. One of the things I do is keep a gratitude journal the chance every week, or a couple of weeks, or once a month to stop and write down the ways in which I've been blessed. I tend to write the same things each time, the blessing around having um, a family that's um, healthy and loving, the blessing around doing work which is fulfilling, the provision of having a home and good friends and being part of this community. But it's so healthy for me to stop and to acknowledge that because it prevents me from living a life of fear I'm saying, well, what if? What if it goes wrong? What happens if we don't have enough money in a month's time? What happens if one of us gets sick? Because actually, now my life is almost as, exactly as I want it to be, and it's remarkable, and it's a blessing from God. And it won't always be that way. There will be times when things don't go to plan. But it's taking the time to stop and to honor God for the ways in which he's meeting our needs, big and small, which can help us to, and to have much greater joy closeness to him. Try appreciating the people around you a little bit more, showing gratitude to them, too. It'll change your interactions. Having spent a lot of time working in Uganda and Kenya, where manners are seen as something very important, and any interaction will typically start with good afternoon, how are you, how are your family, how's your day been, it goes on. Often as Brits or Americans, we want to bulldoze to the point. (laughs) I've learned Um, The greetings can add value. Try as you meet people in in London or in your work, uh, or your neighbors, just try asking them, how are you? People find it shocking. Often they don't know how to respond, but there's a pause, and they say, pardon? Or they get delighted that you you took that moment to inquire. At Anne, Pret a the coffee shop. The staff have some discretion to give away free food and drinks each day. About two-thirds of the time I'm there, I don't pay. I get my food and drinks for free, simply because I make a point every time of saying, how are you, to the person who serves me. They get so shocked they want to give me stuff for free. It's so simple. But it's the way that our lives can become rich, and we also have a small amount of richness to others in such simple ways. But it feels great for me, and I think for them. I see a smile on their face after I'm there. Once I get that free food, <laughs> there's an opportunity to, no, but even as we're eating, to think about gratitude. Um, and St. Ignatius of the Jesuits, who pioneered examined challenges us as we eat, to slow down. Think, where did this food come from? Who prepared it? What's the texture of it like? What's the flavor? Who's not having an opportunity to eat this meal that I'm eating now? To slow down our speed of chewing, and to use that moment as a chance to thank God for the way that he's provided for us, in that most fundamental way, which we can often take for granted in the UK, but in places like Kenya, where there's drought and famine, they can't, by thanking him for the food that he's offered. Before we go into this time of prayer and examining together, I just wanted to say that if there are those of you who have been struggling with the same kind of things that I've spoken of struggling with, if you can find these ideas I've been sharing interesting, please come and have a chat with me. Um, I still lock myself away in the, um, in the darkened room. There are still times when I rely on myself and, and fail. I'm someone who's really seeking to um, to de- develop practices which allow me to hear from Jesus more clearly on a mm-hmm. daily basis. And it's exciting to journey with others. My books at the back are available to you during this time. If there's anyone here who's heard about um, the possibility of visiting a monastery or convent who'd like to go to Worth Abbey, which provides, unfortunately only men, the opportunity to go and spend a day or a night <laughs> in some place, living with the monks and sharing their pattern of seven times a day prayer from 6 a.m. 9pm. and you're interested in going alone or going with me, I'd be glad to chat about it. It's a remarkable place. And again for um, those who are interested in giving Lexio a try um, and up for meeting Paul and I at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning um, at the bar and um, doing it Women there. Oh yes, that's, <laughs> right. that's everyone is welcome. To that. Um, and you don't have to, to think, well maybe I won't know the right answers or this is going to be like a Bible study and I don't have much to say. It's, it's not like that at all. Everyone's contribution um, is valid. Often the most remarkable times are the Alexia, I joke with Muslims who aren't familiar with the Bible, but God can still um, speak to them in, in unbelievable ways. Mm. So let's turn to the um, practice of exam for the last 10 minutes or so. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I give. My peace I give. Do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. The theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our path and cancelling our plans. Will we choose to listen? Do we choose to receive that peace right now? just as we are. Let's close our eyes and share a prayer from St. Teresa of Aguirre. May today there be peace within. May you trust God that you're exactly where you were meant to be. May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. May you use those gifts that you receive. received and pass on the love that has been given to you. May you be content knowing you are a child of God. Let this presence settle into your bones. And allow your soul the freedom to sing, to dance, to praise your love. It's there for each and every one of us. And let's take some time to be still, to become aware God's presence. Sometimes uh, it can be helpful to um, do simple breathing practices, and this um, breath prayer shared by Dan Wills says that as we breathe in, we say, You are here, Lord, and silently to ourselves, as we breathe out, and I am with you. You are here, Lord. move to reviewing the time since we arrived at this place. Giving thanks. Giving thanks for the small details. The fact that we could be here. We got here safely. How tasty the sausages were. How sweet the pineapple. Every detail. Let's now turn to reflecting, becoming aware of our emotions. Ask, how am I coming to this moment? Name the emotion you're feeling, or the ones you felt over the past hours. And give each one to God. Invite him into the emotions. Welcome him to turn them towards his ends. You can to ask yourself here, did I choose Jesus way in this situation? If you did, rejoice. choose one feature of the day so far, the times as we got here yesterday, and pray that our hearts to choose one joy or sorrow or frustration or pain or error to pray about. Give it to God. And Finally, let's have all our hope in Him for the time ahead this weekend. Let's look to the activities and time we'll have together with the expectation that God will be good, that we'll notice his um